The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Take your Bibles with me. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, I Owe Everything to Jesus. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we, we sang this song in our program, I Owe Everything I Owe Everything to Jesus. And I started thinking about that, and uh, I said, Lord, I think there might be a message in there. I owe everything to Jesus. And I started... I prayed and started started looking at scriptures and started thinking about this. and uh, So I decided today I'm going to preach a message entitled, I Owe Everything to Jesus, from Romans chapter 8. Let's stand together. I'll begin reading at verse 1. And uh, we won't read the whole chapter, although I'll be preaching from the whole chapter, but we'll read just through verse 12. There is therefore now no condemnation to them uh, which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, right there in verse 4, Paul is making an assumption. He's assuming that as God's children, we don't walk in the flesh. Amen? And as God's children, we should not walk in the flesh. Amen? Verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ... He is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. We are debtors. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I, I pray that you help me this morning to, to deliver this message the way it needs to be delivered so that everyone will understand what's being said. Lord, I pray that if there are any here that that do not know you as Savior, that you will speak to them through this message and they will come to know Christ. I pray that those that are here and and are uh, saved and know you as their Savior, 
will be edified by what they'll hear. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll bless our time together. Bless the preaching of your word now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We've all heard that famous song sung by the seven dwarfs. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. All of us here are intimately familiar with debt. We live our entire life with debts. We are indebted for our mortgage. We're indebted for our automobile payments. We have, we have health care costs. We have utilities. Imagine PG&E charging us to, to provide us with electricity. How, how outrageous that is. We have we have, we're indebted for food, we're indebted for clothing, we're indebted for insurance, and the list goes on and on and on. And for most of us here today, the sense of obligation to pay our debts is taken very seriously. So much so that we revolve our entire life around the satisfaction of these obligations. I mean, think about it. What compels us to get up in the morning and go to work? Does anyone here get up and go to work simply because they love to work? Anyone, anyone do that? The only reason you ever wake up in the morning and get dressed and get in your car, and if you're like me, you have to commute down the highway, the only reason you ever do that is because you just love to work. Well, I like my job and I enjoy what I do, but there are more reasons motivating me to do what I, to go to work every day, right? We, we have these obligations and we have these needs and we have to satisfy them. We have to, we have to do all these things. And there's nothing wrong with this. Paying our debts is a biblical principle. We are obligated to pay that which we owe. It's, it's not right to create a debt and then just walk away and not pay it. That is wrong. It is ethically wrong. It is morally wrong. Now, this leads me to the purpose of my message today. I want to ask you this morning, each one of you, to consider the debt we owe to Christ Jesus. I want you to think about that. You see, it's my experience observing Christian people that although they're happy that they're saved and they're glad that they're, they're a child of God, they haven't really assumed the responsibility, the obligation that they owe to God because of that salvation. We have a generation of, of Christians today who almost think they're doing God a favor by being in church on Sunday. They come through the door and they say, well, preacher, you're so blessed because I'm here. You're lucky I'm here today, preacher, and you better keep that message short because I got things to do. We laugh. But the truth is, that's the attitude of many people. Oh, they may not they may not project it, but in, deep in their heart, that's their attitude. We have a generation of Christians today who, who think God owes them 
everything. They think God owes them prosperity. They think that God owes them wealth. Well, let me just tell you that today God owes us nothing. Not a thing. We owe God. Paul began this portion of of, the, of his epistle by reminding us that there is therefore now no condemnation to them that uh, which are in Christ Jesus. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation. As you sit here today, you are not condemned for any sin that you've ever committed or will commit. He further states, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. We have been given liberty from the law. Liberty under grace. And this liberty hath made us free from the debt of sin. Do, do, do you understand that this morning? That the liberty we have in Christ Jesus hath freed us from the debt of sin? Remember, the Bible says the wage of sin is what? Debt. And we've been set free from that debt. In John chapter 8 and verse 36, it states, If the Son therefore shall make ye free, ye shall be free indeed. The redeeming grace of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ our Lord has expunged the total of our debt for sin. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, we read, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. See, that's where your sins were paid. At the cross of Calvary. In Psalm 103 and verse 12, we read, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Yes, we have been expunged of the, of the guilt of sin, of the, of the cost of sin. God has forgiven and forgotten all the transgressions committed by we, his elect saints. Now this liberty has made us, has indeed made us free. Uh, this liberty has also indebted us, however, to a greater law, a greater responsibility. In first Corinthians, turn with me to First Corinthians uh, chapter 9, please. Everyone go to First Corinthians chapter 9. And I'll begin reading at verse 19. I said that this liberty has made us free, but it has also indebted us to a greater law. But this law that it has indebted us to, we are able to keep. You see, if you've been attending Pastor's Ten Commandments series, you, you, I think by now you understand, we're not keeping any of those. Any of them. No matter who we are, we're not keeping them. 
But the laws that we now live under, the laws of grace, God empowers and enables us to obey. Let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Paul writes, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. When I say this morning I owe a debt to Jesus, I am not suggesting that I have any ability to repay Christ for his great sacrifice. And I am not suggesting that I can do anything that would even remotely be worthy of the price Jesus paid for my redemption. For in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 we read, But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You see, there's nothing we can do. Nothing. All of our righteousnesses, Isaiah wrote. And, and by righteousness, he's talking about our works. Our, our attempts to... To, to, to please God. All of these things are as filthy rags. There's nothing we can do to please the Lord apart from Jesus Christ. And further, God is not requiting us to make restitution for our redemption. Did any of you receive a bill in the mail after you got saved? Hmm? Special delivery? Did any of you get a bill from God saying, okay, now I saved you. Here's what you owe. No. Well, in a, in a sense, we did. It's called the word of God. And then here are all the expectations of God for his children. Uh, it's a great book. We should read it all. God is not requiring us. We don't have the ability in fact, it is our inability to satisfy the justice and judgment of God that necessitated Jesus to come and die on Calvary. That was the cost for our redemption. However, we do indeed owe something to God this morning. And that is what I want to take just a few minutes to discuss with you today. I owe everything to Jesus. All I am or hope to be. Every need he will provide. And he keeps me satisfied. I owe everything to him. Number one this morning. I want us to understand that we owe our love to Jesus. Now. I should have told you to hold on to Romans chapter 8 because we're going back there. 
So just back up a little bit to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to read verses 35 through 39. We read here, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Today I want to say that you and I would not know how to love were it not for the love that Christ has for us. Now, we might want to think that we would, but the natural heart of man is incapable of true love. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, we read, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, we read, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Oh, yeah, I, I, don't, I do not care who you are this morning. Your heart was as black as tar. I don't care what you think of yourself, God's word tells us that in our natural state, our heart only devised evil continually. And you do not have any idea, or let me say we did not have any idea, how to love anything or anyone but ourselves. Look with me at Keep, you, keep a mark in Romans chapter 8. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to read beginning at verse 6. We read here, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth, and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. You see, the only reason you are able to love today is because God first loved you. And his love is manifested in our heart. A new heart created in the image of Christ the Lord. The love that 
we have today is a gift from God. It is given to us by the indwelling Spirit of God. And it is manifested in our life when we walk in the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 we read, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, natural man is not capable of, of walking in the Spirit because he does not possess the Spirit. Therefore, the love that he has is a false love. It's a love that is, is, is dependent upon favor or, or, or um, attainment. But it's not a genuine, true, abiding love as we have when in Christ Jesus. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. There's the first, very first thing. Is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. Do you have a heart of love today? If you do, it's because of God. And if you don't, 1 John 4, 8 tells us, He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Listen, if you don't have a heart of love today, if you don't have a love for the word of God, if you don't have a love for the house of God, if you don't have a love for the people of God, if you don't have a love for the lost souls in this world, then you're not of God. Don't fool yourself. Don't deceive yourself any further. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So first, this morning, we owe our love to Jesus. But what else are we indebted to Christ for? Secondly, we owe our loyalty to Jesus. Now, you should have kept your marker in Romans chapter 8. Let's look at verse 14. We read here, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What is one of the defining attributes of a family? Well, I think it's loyalty to each other. Families stick together, right? Well, not so much in America anymore. But by definition of a family and by, by by definition in the word of God, families stick together. They're loyal to one another. It doesn't mean they always get along. Some of the most vicious fights in the world occur within the family. But when the, when the hair settles and, and, the, and the hide mends, there's love and there's loyalty. 
Loyalty is one of the one of the endearing attributes of family. We are sons of God, Paul tells us. And as sons, we are heirs to glory with Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we often say that, right? We say, oh, I'm a child of God, and yeah, I'm an heir of Christ. But do we really comprehend what that means? Do you really understand what, what that means? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verses 9 and 10, we read, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them too unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Oh, yes, you and I this morning, listen, we cannot perceive the splendor and the glory of heaven. We, we might try to. We might try in our mind to imagine what heaven is like. But we can't possibly do it. We do not have a frame of reference. You know, you know when we formulate opinions, we do it from a frame of reference, from, from our experiences and from things we can see. But we don't have a frame of reference to comprehend heaven. We have the Word of God is all we have. But we, we, you and I, listen, as you sit there this morning, you might think you have a grasp on heaven, but you don't. You don't. Heaven is beyond our ability as humans to comprehend. Romans chapter 11 and verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And all of this, freely, for, for you and I, freely given to the undeserving worm that we are. We don't deserve any, anything from God, yet he gives us so much, doesn't he? If, if we could comprehend the splendor that is ours through the grace of God, if we could comprehend what we truly are, what we truly have become because of Jesus, if we could truly comprehend that, then nothing on this earth, nothing in heaven, nothing anywhere could keep us from complete and total submission to God and his will for us. So, as you sit there this morning, realize we have an awful lot to learn. We, we don't really know anything. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. It's kind of like looking through that stained glass window. huh? You might, see, you might see an image of something on the other side, but you can't see it clearly, can you? And, and that's, what, that's, what, that's what all of this is like to us. We, we see it through a glass, and we know it's there, and, and we see an image of it, and a, a, but we have no idea what it truly looks like. 
And we have no idea how splendid it really is. And we won't know until we awaken in the presence of Jesus, our King. But knowing that that is our home, knowing that that is what awaits us, we owe our loyalties to God and His Word. More than anything. What happened when the Pharisees told Peter to quit preaching? What did he say? Anyone know? He said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Hmm? Isn't that what we ought to be today? I'm asking you. Considering, considering what God has done for us, shouldn't, shouldn't that be the controlling factor of our life? Not, not our job. Listen, if my boss came to me and said, look, you have to do this or, or you're fired, and it's something that would, would violate a biblical principle or truth, I would tell him, sorry, I can't do it. I won't do it. You see, our loyalty must be to Christ above all things. Yet today, many professing Christians have no loyalty to God. In fact, they seemingly love the world. And everything it offers more than they love God. James chapter 4 and verse 4 we read, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Listen, God is worthy of all our love. He's worthy of all our praise, all our worship, and all our loyalty. There is none mightier than God. There is none that has done for you what God has done for you. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Where is your love today? Where is your loyalty today? Is it in is it in Christ our Lord? Or is it in your own pursuits in life? Well, Joshua said in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, he said, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua's loyalty was to God. We owe our love to Jesus. We owe our loyalty to Jesus. But then thirdly this morning, I want to say we owe our life to Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, verses 12 through 13, we read, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. All life comes from God the Father. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Just a few books over, we get to Colossians. 
Colossians chapter 1, and we'll get into verse number 16. We read here, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. All life, physical life, which is temporal, this life we live on earth is not our final destination. Some will end this life unto eternal damnation. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 we read, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Oh yes, Mr. Atheist. Oh yes, Mr. Scientist. Uh, You think you're going to escape anything by death, you're wrong. It is appointed to all men to die, but then comes the judgment. Those will on that day face the eternal wrath and judgment of God. Their mortal lives will have been nothing more than their own condemnation. Nothing that they have done will be able to appease the wrath of God. Jesus told us this in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, where he states, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And the truth is, so go we, but for the grace of God. Our lives were not pleasing to the Lord, yet, as his elect saints, we are forgiven, and eternal life is ours. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Again, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, we read, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. No, 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 not Allah, not Buddha, Jesus and Jesus only. There aren't many roads to heaven. There's only one. There aren't many ways to God. There's only one, and that one is Jesus, the Son of God. And it is in him that we have life. And it is to him we owe our life. Were it not for the grace of God, appointed unto us since before the foundation of the world. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells us, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Were it not for this wondrous grace we too would be under the condemnation of all men. 
Matthew chapter 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And were it not for the wondrous grace of God, that would be our destiny. However, it's not. Because our life is hid in Christ. And without him, we would have no life at all. Look at Colossians chapter 1 again with me. And let's go to verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Oh yes, our life is hid in Christ today. So you see, we do indeed owe our life to Christ. In fact, we owe everything to Jesus. I owe everything to Jesus. All I am or hope to be, every need he will supply, and he keeps me satisfied. I owe everything to him. Remember the words of Paul concerning our life on this temporal earth. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he states, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We have nothing in this temporal life to hold on to because nothing from this temporal life will be translated to eternal life. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. What did he mean? While I'm alive, I can preach, I can witness, I can serve, I can help, I can encourage. While I live, Christ can live through me if I yield myself to him. But he said, for me to die is to be in heaven. For me to die is gain. He went on to say, but it's needful for you that I am here. And listen, it's needful for, for all of us. We need each other. We need, we need the love and strength of the brethren. We owe our life we owe our life to Jesus. Now my hope this morning is that this simple message would cause you to stop and to consider the debt you owe to Jesus today. We owe him our love. We love because of him. And we should love through him. We owe our loyalty to him. Be faithful to the Lord every day. 
in all things. And we owe our life to him. For me to live is Christ. May every life I touch see Christ in me. Well, that's it. I owe everything to Jesus. And if you sit here today and you say, ah, I don't owe anything to Jesus, then that's because you're not any of his. You know, my daddy is 91 years old. He's not healthy. And my daddy was never a wealthy man. He provided a very modest living for his family and he took care of us. And my daddy won't be able to leave me an inheritance. He, he always told me growing up, son, I won't be able to leave you anything, but the only thing I can leave you is our family name. But you know what? Today, as I stand here, I owe everything to my father. Every lesson he ever taught me. Every, everything he's ever done for me. The man I am today, the person I am today, in, in a human sense, I owe to my father. And folks, the spiritual person we are today, the spiritual things that we have today, we owe to the father. So don't think too highly of yourself. Don't, don't put too much stock in your own self. Go to God and say, Lord, I owe everything to you. All that I am and all that I have is yours. Use me. Teach me. Build me. Let's pray. Father, We do owe everything to you, Lord. There's nothing in this life that we have or that we possess that doesn't come from you. You've given us all things. You've, you've created all things. You've taught us to love. We, would, we wouldn't know how to love, Lord, if we didn't have the example of you. You... you adopted us. You've given us all things. You've made us heirs to all of glory. And, and Lord, we owe you our loyalty. And then, Lord, were it not for you, our life would be hollow. It would be empty. We would, we would merely be biding time until we, we spent eternity in hell. But you have enriched our life. You have made our life meaningful and purposeful. We owe everything to you, Lord. And we have no right to withhold anything from you. So help us today to, to live our life as your children, as debtors to Christ. And we'll praise you and we'll thank you for these things. And we pray that all that we do would glorify you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.